How old is your financial advisor? For many Americans, the image that first comes to mind of a financial advisor is an older man. And there's data to back that up. Around 40% of financial advisors are sent to retire in the next 10 years, which is ultimately going to shake up the advising landscape. In this episode of Give Me Some Truth, in arguably the youngest collection of people we've had in studio before, our three youngest advisors at Walker Conan talk about that future of financial advisors and some of the stats that stick out to Mitch, Alicia, and Polly. It's time for some truth. Hello, welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. We have a few of us in the booth today, and it might be actually the youngest collection of advisors in a podcast at once in Walkner Condon history. I don't know if we can actually fact check that or not, but as we all entered the booth today, we were talking of what are we actually going to talk about because our our fearless leader, Clint, told us to change course on, on a topic that we will leave unmentioned at this point. So instead, we have we have some advisors here that are, dare I say, the future in the industry. I think that's a fair... Fair thing to say. I agree. And, and we're going to planning on leaving. Yeah, no, right. No, I, I've been. I've told clients a couple of times. Mitch and I will never retire. <laughs> we love what we do. We're here to stay, um, and we're young enough that you know this is certainly for the next 20, 30 years. I mean, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to kind of run with that theme, and we all pulled up some respective sources and things like that that we're going to talk about, kind of the future of, of advisors and how it relates to our firm and succession and things like that. So that's what we're going to kind of roll with today. So I'm, I'm Mitch in the booth here and we also have Alicia, Polly, and then Dan is hot on the mic, I believe. Very, very hot. Oh, wow. Hot a little too mic. hot. A little too <laughs> okay. hot. Sorry. Okay. Mike is live for, for Dan. So anyways, yeah, we, we wanted to talk a little bit about, about how this relates to our firm. And as a lot of you know, too, we, with, with, Polly and Alicia, for example, they recently went through some of their their testing and things like that. And all of us actually are, are career changers. Um, but anyways, who wants to go first as far as maybe a fun fact or tidbit that they pulled up in our, you know, 10 minutes of prep before this, this call here? Well, this is completely unrelated, but I felt like I just needed to drop this into this podcast <laughs> at some point. But um, we, you know, we did a happy hour yesterday at, at Garth's and uh, Garth's Brew Bar. Check it out. Monroe Street. Great plug beer. For Garth. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I learned is that uh, somebody who specializes a trained professional working in the hospitality and alcoholic beverage industry who specializes in beer is called a Cicerone. So it is, it's similar to like a sommelier for wine. There is a separate. Is it specific to beer? Specific to beer. It's called a Cicerone. So that is, that is a, everybody's random interesting fact for the day. <laughs> so you're welcome. Interesting. That knowledge. I love that. Do, do we dare go into trebuchets yet too while we're on the oh, topic of. <laughs> I, yes. Also at happy hour yesterday, I had to explain to the group the difference between a trebuchet and a catapult. Because my extensive knowledge of RPGs has given me some interesting knowledge about medieval weaponry. Um, And this was also relevant to beer and related because Wisconsin Brewing Company does a pumpkin shuck every October where they use a trebuchet to launch pumpkins into the pond. And it's amazing to watch. If you haven't seen it. And it's very family friendly. My my family was there this year. Yes. If you haven't seen it. Are they like really large pumpkins or just like normal size ones that you'd? I'd say normal. Okay. Like you could definitely carve them. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're kind of cool. Your typical like really carvable big. size. 
Yeah. I would say. Okay. Yeah. So a catapult, they so they use a trebuchet, mm-hmm. which has like a counterweight system that they that is used to launch the pumpkins. Where a catapult, it's you pull it back and it's tension based, mm-hmm. and that that launches the pumpkin. So so different uh, different weapons there. So you guys are you're learning a lot on this podcast. You you never knew that you were going to be learning <laughs> about, you know, beer tasting and trebuchets. So <laughs> somehow can we work something cheesy into the title of this podcast, Dan, as far as like, you know, how we're like launching like a trebuchet into the future with all these, you know, these young youthful advisors in the room. Here. Oh, I mean, uh, that's my specialty is cheesy titles. So <laughs> Our firm ask. is a trebuchet anyway. yeah. launching young advisors yeah. into yeah. the future of the financial planning industry. <laughs> Thanks for doing I my job. I have the title already. Thanks. <laughs> I think it shows too, Alicia, your wealth of knowledge, not only about financial but about Advising, useless but about, weaponry, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, some yeah. more unique items as well. And I thought I thought it was very interesting. Dan and I even looked it up afterwards because we were like, this sounds like a French word. And Syl, who is a native French speaker, didn't even know it was a French word. So we taught him something too. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So this, this particular topic is something that was inspired by a few things. One is just a matter of, who's in the room, but then two, every now and then the question pops up when we're meeting with existing clients or potential future clients of what is the succession plan look like? There's so many advisors out there that are getting closer to retirement age. And I'm not talking at, at Walkner kind of financial advisors. Yes, we'll have advisors retire at some point, but in the industry as a whole, it skews to an older closer to retirement age for your typical financial advisor. So that question might pop up because if someone's looking to hire us or you're in the market for an advisor, sometimes the reason is, hey, my current advisor is retiring. I know they're retiring in the next handful of years, let's say. We want to come up with a plan. And that that's why they're shopping around in a lot of cases. So the succession plan part of the piece is, well, what talented knowledgeable, good advisors do you have on staff? And then how are you also going to grow that next generation? So that was kind of what inspired this is some of those questions that we've been hearing live from clients, prospective clients in conversations. Well, so, I think there's two things that can happen. An older advisor cannot have a succession plan. They're getting on an age, they're getting close to retiring, and maybe they don't have somebody. They don't have a younger person who, who they have a plan to transition their clients to. Or they have somebody, but maybe it's somebody that the current clients don't really feel comfortable with or isn't maybe up to the level of expertise and knowledge that their previous advisor has. So even if they have a succession plan and they have somebody in mind, you know, maybe it's not a good one. Um, You know, and and I think that that kind of coincides with some of the articles that we've been reading that have been talking about sort of a vacuum of talent in the industry. There's just not enough young, talented people going into the industry right now. And so you have maybe these firms where they're trying to put in a succession plan, but they're struggling to find the right young, talented person to come in and fill that role. And sometimes it's difficult too, because there's so many situations that we see where people that are are young and they're in college and they want to become a financial advisor. They like the idea and concept of it. They go to school for it and then they end up doing something else because let's say that first job out of college, they were just trying to sell life insurance or something. And we've seen this so many times and then they get burnt out of financial services, maybe in general, and they, they do something completely different. 
So sometimes there's this this path through through universities and and things that people actually find themselves burn out of the industry before they even truly get into it. And, and so I think that's kind of an interesting thing too, because that's one pipeline as far as, yeah, you got a formal training undergraduate, let's say in a financial planning program, but then you look at our firm and we have former lawyers, former engineers, former this, former HR, former charitable donation in the nonprofit world, like in Polly's case. So we've mentioned those things, of course, in past podcasts, but it's interesting because sometimes you have no idea where that talent is really going to come from. It's a good point. Well, th- that's the reason I didn't get into this industry sooner. I've always had a passion for finances, but I didn't want to sell insurance and I didn't want to sell investments. And I thought that's what the industry was. I didn't know there was a way to be a financial advisor that wasn't selling products. And it wasn't until I was older and realized that there was a different way to do it that I said, that's what I want to do. That's what I've wanted to do all along. I didn't know that existed. That's a really good point. I didn't either really until like I had, you know, years ago sat down with Nate and he kind of talked about the firm in a way that, you know, explained exactly what we do here. And it was eye opening to think like, oh, this is actually something that I could see myself doing, right? Like I can put myself in those shoes. And I think that was hard for me for a long time because I never thought that was a an industry I could break into, especially not necessarily having gone to school to get a finance degree. Yeah. So to your point, Mitch, like that is so that it's a, a really benefit to this firm and to what, you know, Clint and Nate have set up in the sense that they, you know, it's succession planning. Yes, but it's also like a training program in ways like, you know, they want to hire people who want to be in this industry for a while. And how do you do that without or how do you do that with younger advisors without, you know, giving them those like one step at a time opportunities, which in my case is like, that's, you know, what's, what's happening for me right now, which is wonderful. But it's not, you know, it's not just like hiring someone right out of college. Yes, you could do that. But also like hiring someone right out of college, but then giving them those like transition points throughout their career. It's training essentially. For yeah, sure. like you know, having a for growth a few, path. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by the way, that, that growth path, we, we do try to grow internally, kind of like everyone is, is saying here. And what we want, the ideal situation is to have skin in the game for our advisors, because with that, we'll create some longevity. We've always said, I, well, I, I can't even say we, because I wasn't here at the start of the firm, but Clinton and Nate, when they started the firm over a decade ago, I've always said that we want to have long-term client relationships, multi-generational client relationships. So if it, you know, client A and B then have son and daughter. Let's say we want to invest into that portion of the relationship too, to keep that relationship going. So with that, we need, we need youth, right? I don't know if you, we're older than youth, right? Is that, is that a poor choice of words? Youth? Are we, we're pretty youthful. We have energy. I I like to think of myself that way. Yeah. You know, I think it depends on who you ask. Well, Alicia, we were just talking (laughs) about this before the podcast started, but what time did you go to bed last night? Oh yeah. Oh no. Uh, eight thirty. I, I like wrong to contribute be, that yeah. to the happy hour, though. Yeah, because um, I think I think it was I think it was the beer from the happy hour that just kind of knocked me out. Yeah. And for the record, there's only one beer. I think, right? Yes. Well, a single beer. alcohol. <laughs> I'm also still jet lagged. I'm very much a night person. Okay. I am normally up till eleven o'clock, midnight, later than that, playing okay. video games, wow. watching shows. So eight thirty for me is. Yeah, Very I'm the opposite where I'm like, I could 
be in bed by 8.30. Yeah. And I was out till about 10 p.m. last night, dinner with friends, and I felt like... That was past your bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so did we have to delay the podcast for you then, Polly, or for Dan? I would... Nope. Polly was not here. No, she it was, was Dan. ready to go. I was Dan. Dan there. I I'll admit to it. <laughs> yeah. On, on live mic. Sorry, Dan. Uh, well, see, anyway. if if I throw you under the bus like this, that's why it's good that we have you on a hot mic so you can actually defend respond. yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I accept it. I did want to bring us back to one stat. I, was, I don't know if you had yeah. this, Mitch, in one of your stats, Ooh. but okay. uh, well, from let me look. Asset, Dan, keeping us on topic. Assetmap.com, um, <laughs> the industry retention rates, and they don't reference where they got this stat from in this blog piece, but they said 15 to 16% of advisors are retained in their first four years in the industry, mm. which. That low. feels very low. I mean, even if it was, I, I think I saw one other article that was maybe in the 30s, but still, either way, not very high. No. And this, like you said, there's plenty of reasons for it. You guys so now that's industry-wide. That. I would be curious to know the breakdown between, well, is, it, is that at, you know, large broker-dealers? Is uh, is that at RIAs? Insurance is there is a at, difference? You know, are I would like to see the itemized yeah. numbers. Because yep. I feel like that would be a different number depending on the type of firm that you're working in. Yeah. And the other thing, like one of my little facts here that I pulled up was directly from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, which I would like to say is a, a pretty pretty legit source here. <laughs> and, and I say that because it says employment of personal financial advisors is projected to grow 15% from 2021 to 2031. So in the next decade, essentially, we're, you know, one to two years into that, but it says much faster than the average for all occupations. So just because those jobs are growing that fast, but then you couple in some of the turnover with people first getting in industry, like, is that the reason why there's so many of these jobs available is because the turnover, but is it, but then you also complicate it because older advisors are retiring. And I think by the time you mix all those things together, that's why they all kind of play together in a strange way. Yeah, but, that's true. But it's like, yeah, at face value, it looks like great. There's all these jobs that are, that are going to be growing over the next, it projected, right? Well, I think there's, it's three reasons probably then. It's, it's, the industry is growing. It's, there's, unfortunately, there's high turnover in a lot of these positions, you know, and, and maybe those are positions that people get burned out on the industry. Um, but then it's also advisors reti- retiring. So I think you're looking at kind of a multi, you know, multi reasons for why this is happening. One of the statistics I looked up um, over the next 10 years, it's estimated that more than, 111,000 advisors will retire, which represents more than one third of the workforce wow. and assets. Wow. And I, I think that's due to the other statistic here, according to a JD Power study, says that the average age of a financial advisor is about 55, with yeah. about one fifth of right. industry professionals being 65 or mm-hmm. older. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, a ver- that, that's a very high average age mm-hmm. for a profession. So so what happens, and Alicia, you brought this up when we were chatting a little bit before this. So what might happen when an advisor retires on short notice and or unexpectedly, or something slightly more dire, right? Something happens to them health-wise, they could they could die. We never know when they're going to die, right? Um, let's, I'll leave it open to anyone who wants to respond, but but what might happen if you're signed up with an advisor, there's no succession plan, what happens? You know, and I, I think that, you know, shameless plug for our firm. Um, <laughs> I think that that's the advantage of having 
as opposed to like a solo firm. And if you're a solo firm and you have a succession plan, maybe you have an agreement with another advisor that says, hey, if something happens to me, will you step in and take care of my clients and vice versa? Maybe you have set up a plan. And if you're a solo advisor and you don't, maybe that's something you need to think about. You know, but I think the benefit of having a small firm where there's multiple advisors is you have kind of that safety net. You know, if something happens to you, you have other advisors at your firm that can kind of step in and take care of your clients. But even the next level of that is when you look at Clint and Nate, who are a team, and you look at Mitch and I, who are a team, if something happens to one of us, like I'm going to have a relationship with Mitch's clients. He's going to have a relationship with mine. And there's a lot of clients that both of us will be working with them. And so if something happens to one of us, we already have that relationship there. We know the client. We know their situation. They know and trust us. And so it's that kind of backup plan is built in. So in addition to the fact that we're younger and we don't plan on retiring anytime soon, you know, just because you're young doesn't mean that something can't happen, an accident, a health issue, whatever. Um, but we kind of already have that built in plan in place, I guess. And our firm experienced that to some extent with Nate's health scare two years ago. I don't remember exactly when that was. And a lot of our clients and listeners are well aware of that, but Nate never anticipated getting sick like he did and being out and being in hospital several times and needing surgery and all these things. He was, I'll say, on the sideline for a significant amount of time. And and even though we talk about these things, when it actually happens, right, it's difficult. But that's when, that's why Clint is there. That's why the rest of us stepped up to, to help cover some of the internal operations things that Nate Nate's really good at. So that whole idea of having the team in place to continue the longevity, not only for the longevity of the, the business, but the clients, because the clients make the business, right? Mm-hmm. There's no business if there's no clients. So um, ultimately, if, if we can continue servicing our clients and, and keeping them in good shape for, for their financial goals, then how do we do that? We do it by building a, a team around us and building it internally as, as we try to grow for the decades to come. Dan, why do I feel like you're looking to say something right now? I was just going to bring up the idea of, of robo-advisors and how that maybe ah. fills the gap of humans. Yeah. So feel free to to talk amongst yourselves about that, but I was just thinking <laughs> about robo-advisors. Yeah. Anyone, it's, it's bigger trend in the industry. It is. Last anyone, few years. Anyone want to take that? Especially for our generation too, yeah. right? Yeah. Anybody? Polly, thoughts? Of robo-advisors? Yeah. I mean, I think we all have our thoughts of robo-advisors. <laughs> That's yeah. why we're here. We're humans. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it fits some people, but I think I think it fits some people, especially younger generations, because they don't have more complicated situations. They don't have nope. children. They might not have house. They might not, you know, be switching jobs as frequently. Well, they probably are switching jobs more frequently. But with that said, I think, you know, there is the benefit of having a human being is that you, you know, have a person to talk through those intricacies of your life with. You can't do that with a robo-advisor. But if you're younger, you know, you don't meet certain minimums, whatever you can, that probably is a good, you know, easy access into investing, right? Yeah, it's a good entry point. Exactly. But, you know, eventually everyone starts using, you know, a tax accountant to do their taxes because their situations get more difficult. Like you don't need that when you're 23. Yeah. I think the problem that a lot of people have, though, is they maybe start off doing their own taxes. They start off with a robo-advisor. Mm-hmm. 
And oftentimes what I've seen is people realize too late that they should probably get help. It's when something That's a great it's when something bad happens. Yeah. <laughs> or it's like doctors too. Like you go to the doctor once yeah. something actually goes wrong and then you're like, well, it's probably past the point of no return. Or you get to the point doing your own. I know, sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm scared to go to the doctor now. If Everyone go to the doctor. Oh. Get, your get a checkup. Exam. Yeah. Um, you know, but by the time you maybe realize that you need an accountant or you need you need a financial advisor, have there been mistakes that you've been making? Because I've definitely looked at past tax returns and have said, well, there's some mistakes here and they've cost you money. You know, and you think you're saving money. Well, I'm going to do it myself and I'm going to save money. And certainly you can do that, but at some point as your situation gets more complicated, you continue to think you can do it yourself. But if there's things you're missing and mistakes you're making, you're actually costing yourself money and you're not saving yourself money. And so it's it's knowing when that transition point is appropriate. When is that time that you need to switch from doing it yourself or from having a robo-advisor to actually talking to a real human that can make sure you're not missing these things and you're taking advantage of all the opportunities and not making some of those simple mistakes that are easy to make because it's a complicated, like taxes are complicated. Yeah. Even people who are tax professionals and financial professionals, they specialize because it's such a broad topic and you can't be an expert on everything, even within a certain area. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. For so sure. for the average person, to have enough knowledge to know all those things, it's just, you can't. Well, I think that goes back to our firm too. And like, you know, talking about succession planning of talking about having the, you know, the more tight knit team like we do, like you, you know, most people sit, you know, very close to each other. Advisors talk to each other all day long here, you know, bouncing questions off each other, learning like you, we mean every single day. Um, you don't necessarily get that with robo-advisors. You don't get the added benefit of having a team of people and, you know, having some tax information from this person, some, you know, we have a team of, inter like, uh, our team of international advisors who, who work with our expat clients. Even, you know, even they get information from our domestic team. So there's just, th I mean, there's something to be said of the team aspect and how it informs our decision or our, you know, advising to our clients and how we become better financial advisors because of that. And yeah. you don't get that with it, facil advisors. it facilitates our own learning. And then also, you know, we can bring that knowledge to our client. We're not just giving our client our own mm -hmm. professional knowledge. We're giving our client all of the knowledge of all of the advisors and staff at our firm. Yeah. So I think this kind of goes without saying, but it, you know, it, for those out there who are looking for a financial advisor and think that it's something they might, you know, be going down that path, this is a good question to ask, right? What is your plan for, you know, even if you have a younger advisor interviewing a younger advisor, like what is their plan if, you know, if something were to happen? I, I don't know. I think that would be a safety net you'd kind of want to understand before entering in a very significant and important relationship. When I was at Merrill Lynch, where I started my advising career, I remember talking to somebody and of course I was trying to grow my business and, and get clients. And one of the questions that came across was, well, you're young. Why wouldn't I want to go with someone in their fifties or sixties that has decades of experience to which I replied, 
yeah, but I'm going to be in the industry for mm-hmm. 40 more years. Because I was in my 20s at the time. I was, I don't know how old I was when I got in the industry, mid-20s, late-20s. Um, and it's like, yeah, that person might not be there in four years, though. Don't, you still want an advisor. You still want a relationship, right? Uh, so that was kind of always one of my th- my responses to that when I was first getting in the business, just speaking to the longevity piece. But I, back to one thing, Polly, that you mentioned, the word access. I love that because... My quick take on on the robo piece is technology has done some good things in our industry, Mm -hmm. whether it's access for people that need access. Because again, there's a lot of advisors, ours included, our shop included, right? We have a minimum in place and that's just because we can't take on everybody. We're not a good fit for everybody. So we, we have minimums, right? And there's still this market that frankly was was underserved and probably still might be underserved. And that's where some of these solutions using technology gives access to people that want to come up with some sort of investment plan and get their allocation and have it spit out. And great. I'm 90 stocks, 20 or 90, 20. <laughs> yeah. Good at math here. Where's my coffee at? I need more coffee too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 90, 20 portfolio. That's uh, how does that work? How does that work? 90, 10, 90 stocks, 10% bonds. But in any case, right. Technology can do some of that. We use technology when we're doing client portfolios, right? We use something called iRebel. That's why we love TD Ameritrade. That's why our domestic clients are are primarily on the TD Ameritrade platform. That's one of the reasons why Schwab acquired TD Ameritrade, among other reasons. But they are going to incorporate and unleash that software because that makes advisors' jobs more efficient. And therefore, we have more time to spend with our clients. So the whole robo thing, to me, it's just, it's advancement technology. It's good for the industry. It's good for investors. It's good for people that are trying to grow their net worth over time. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I think there could be this conception that, oh, advisors, you know, human advisors hate robo advisors and some might, but no, I think, I think it's filling an important niche and it's giving, like you said, it's giving access to people who maybe wouldn't otherwise have access to financial planning or people who have, you know, whether it's because they don't have enough assets or because their situation is really simple and they just, they don't have enough complexity to make having an advisor necessary. Um, you know, they're just looking to say, well, I just want a little bit of guidance on how I invest my 401k. Great. You know, a robo advisor is probably exactly what that person needs. And so I think it's important and it fills a niche, um, like you said, that is underserved and necessary. And then puts them in the 90, 20 portfolio. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Why do 100% yeah. when you can, when you can have 110? 110. <laughs> uh, yeah, the robo thing is, is definitely definitely interesting because even like a lot of these robos that get started want to get acquired. They they have an exit strategy at some point too. Speaking of succession, their succession is kind of like, well, let's exit and and uh, get acquired by, by a large financial firm that has, you know, a, a pretty big uh, financial impact. So... Well, or it's it's large financial firms that are offering robo advisors, and they right, are seeing right. it as a way to start that relationship with a young professional, maybe who isn't ready for a financial advisor. They're like, here, you know, use our robo advisor, and then they're gonna kind of keep continue to ping you and say, I see you're using our robo advisor. Would you like a human advisor? You know, they 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 use that as kind of like a lead generation tool. Um, as like a starting point into maybe later on as their needs get more complex, transitioning to a human advisor. And as complexity, that's another big word, as complexity 
becomes more apparent in someone's financial life, which usually occurs after, you know, a, a number of, of maybe it is job, job changes or promotions or something, right? Let's say you get to a director at your company, your company's publicly traded. All of a sudden you have access to a stock plan, right? You're getting stock grants, you're getting options, whatever it might be, right? Those are all complexities that we know how to advise on. You're not getting that from a robo, <laughs> yep, right? Exactly. So like once you get to that point, it's, it's different for everybody, right? Sometimes that point isn't until someone is in their late fifties and they're like, holy cow, I've done a really good job of accumulating assets, but now I've gotten to the point of distribution or planning for distribution. And that was that complexity tipping point, almost like an inflection point in their financial life. Maybe it's, maybe it's that stage of life. Right. Maybe it is someone in their thirties. Their like I said, maybe they're a director level now at their company, whatever it might be. Right. There's different inflection points for our clients and, and people out there. And it could be in your twenties. It could be in your seventies. Who knows? But once that inflection point occurs, I think that's when they realize I want to talk to somebody mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I want advice and this robo option isn't going to do it. So mm-hmm. how are we doing on time, Dan? We're 28 minutes. 28. Yeah. I thought, where was, where was the hand signal for 20? Uh, you guys looked like you were enjoying yourselves, so I just let you keep going. <laughs> I mean, we are. This is a long it's podcast. True. We should probably, we should probably uh, wrap it up. We can have a take two of this one, part honestly. Two. Find this thing down. There's so many. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I feel like a lot of these topics, honestly, could be its whole own separate yeah. podcast. I feel like we've lightly touched two. on a lot of different topics. Yeah. So, the, so hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. We'll, we'll let you get back to... To your days. Thank you all for, for tuning in. I kind of abruptly, you know, putting the kibosh on here, but 28 minutes, that's pretty good. So I would say let's, uh, Mitch just let's wants get more coffee. That too. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's get, let's get this youthful group together in the podcast again. So yeah. that was fun. Thank you for joining. We will see you next time on Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.